Hey, we're doing another Extreme Ag member spotlight with James Hep, who's doing some pretty cool stuff in Iowa in this edition of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. If you hear some background noise, above my office, new flooring is going in, so I apologize. But you know, as they say in showbiz, the show must go on. Talking about James Hep, uh, we've had him on once before. James has a pretty cool situation. He's going to tell us all about it. And he works um, with Mike Evans of Integrated Ag Solutions and also the agronomist for Kelly Garrett. Um, and he's really upped his game. So real quickly, a little bit about your background. You're not really from a farm. You didn't, you can't pull that thing of I inherited grandpa's, uh, you know, uh, 160. You've got a unique situation. Tell us about that. And then we'll talk about some of the cool things you're doing to up your farming game. Yeah. So I'm a first generation farmer with my wife, Paige, uh, Rockville city, Iowa, North central Iowa. Um, one of my, I was always, I was a crop insurance adjuster. And I always had some free time, so I liked helping local farmers. Um, that worked out pretty well. One of my high school friends, his family had a fair amount of land, and him or his brother didn't really want to farm, and his dad was looking to slow down and possibly retire. So he asked if I would come and uh, run grain cart, just help him one fall, and I did, and uh, went really well. And then the following year, he asked if I wanted to crop share 160 acres, and uh see how that went. And that also seemed to go really well. So then he stepped it up. And uh, the third year I helped him, I ended up crop sharing about 600 acres. And then he kind of liked slowing down and he we pretty much doubled it. So now I'm around 1400 acres, um, basically took over the operation day to day, bought the building site, um, have an agreement to buy the equipment on contract. Um, it's a it's a pretty, pretty good deal, really. I mean, it's a Especially being first generation. It's a pretty good deal. It's a very difficult business to enter because of the capital requirements. Uh, I recorded a business of agriculture show, which is my own podcast about this. You know, they like to say, oh, young person getting in this business. Well, that's not true. You are a young person and you did enter the business. And the other thing, and a lot of ag people don't like it when you tell them some truths. I say, <laughs> well, it's difficult to get into manufacturing uh asphalt shingles also well what are you comparing that yeah. to well it's a low margin commodity production business so find me the 25 year old that's going to hop into asphalt shingle manufacturing when you look at agriculture in that regard low margin takes a lot of capital and you're producing a commodity it's a little different thing but it can be done and also there are usda programs that help you along did you get a usda program to help you get your your foot in the door yeah so the big kicker was my the landowner that I work with. We were able to do Iowa has really great tax like a tax grant thing or a tax credit. Um, so we were able to fill out that. It was a mountain of paperwork, um, but it it was pretty lucrative for those guys. 
Um, so it helps them offset. So I, they were able to kind of give me a little bit of a discount on some of the equipment, but then he gets it back in the form of a tax credit. I see. Um, yeah. So, so in other, in it, other words, he, he's, he's able to offset some capital gain or appreciation or something like this and helps mm -hmm. you also. Yeah. And he's able to spread out his equipment sales over like five to six years to help with that with cash flow instead of just dumping it all at once. And, and there was a discount because he figured if he took it to auction, you know, you'd pay commission. It'd take a lot of money to haul stuff there. So he kind of took some of that off the top. And then being able to divide it out over the years, that helped him too. So um, there's ways to do it. Some states are better than others. Like I have friends in Missouri and Missouri doesn't really have a tax credit program like that. But I think a lot of other states are starting to though. So it's worth looking into. That's that's really good advice. And that's a business advice. Well, by the way, dear listener or viewer, James, because he was in, in business, he sent me an email about a year ago saying, hey, if you can delve into some business topics here at Cutting the Curve, because he always likes the business side of agriculture. And as we commonly point out, that's the part that most farmers don't like because it's not getting your hands dirty. It's not looking at corn grow, but it's the part that most farms fail because of. It's, you, you don't usually fail because of a lack of yield. You fail because of a lack of adherence to the business side of stuff. So you're in a... You're in an awesome situation. Some might also see it as a precarious situation. You own about 15 acres. Uh, you farm 1,400 at someone else's. Um, there's the risk that uh, the old man uh, starts to get a little um, uh, senile and decides um, he doesn't like you. He, he, he'd rather have, uh, you know, whatever, someone from the church or whatever the thing is, you know, uh, somebody else farm it. So you're, you're a little bit, you're a little bit over the barrel on that. Is it bother you? Or do you think, no, I'll be okay? Uh, originally, it kind of did. So like before backing up a little bit, before I started farming with him, I was an adjuster. And I had a good friend that was kind of wanting to slow down and he was an agent insurance agent, but I didn't want to jump head first into that because it's hundred percent commission base. And it takes a lot of years to build a good land base with insurance. So this all happened about within six months of each other. Um, this farming opportunity happened. And then with the farming, I couldn't be as flexible with adjusting because some falls, they would send me two States away in October and that doesn't work. So um, and my wife was very supportive. So I just said, you know, if we don't try this, we're going to regret it forever. Um, and we'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, the, the rewards are way higher than the risk, I think. Yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, it is, it, it's a little scary, but like I said, I think I have a lot of room for growth, um, with aging farmers in the area. I think I'll be able to maybe help them maybe do a similar situation with crop shares or something like that. Yeah, well, if there's in your situation, the family didn't want to sell the asset. There was a lot of acres worth a hell of a lot of money, um, mm -hmm. and uh, they needed an operator. And if you can be that operator, now, you know, there's always the risk that uh, the the operation down the road that's uh, ten thousand acres uh, comes in and outbids you. Uh, but those, you know, those are that could happen. You know, whether you're in your situation or not. Uh, what did you do? Because we like the fact that you're progressive. Uh, you're not just out here, uh, you know, plodding along. And that's probably one of the benefits of being first gen. You've got to think a little more creatively. Most people haven't had to jump through some hoops and get more creative like you have. So you you are fairly creative. What did you experiment with in 2023 on your farming operation? Well, 
I was lucky to work with Evans and we kind of threw the kitchen sink at everything. Um, I kind of figured if I'm doing the same thing I was two years ago in another two years, I don't know if I'll be able to make it. So we really, uh, we probably did more than I would recommend a lot of guys doing, but it's worked out. Um, some of the highlights, the main things we did was um, like, I don't know, we talked earlier about, um, or a while back about how I rebuilt my planner. That yeah. was another way to save save money. You know, I spent like 25 grand on it instead of 120,000. And uh, so when I did that, I was able to variable rate stuff. So Evans was able to help me and we variable rated all my corn and soybean seeds this year for planting. And uh, so that saved me. Well, let's see for soybeans, it probably saved me 15 to $20 an acre and corn is probably 10 to $12 an acre right off the get go. So when you um, think about this, uh, <clears throat> all right, there's a couple of, you know, this is all, this is merging between the creativity and experimentation and also into strategies for success. And you're not bashing on anybody, but there are certainly, I know people, uh, you know, in this County or next County over that, you know, your fifth generation, your, your money's really good. We're obviously in our fifth year of farm incomes being really good. Fourth or fifth year of farm incomes being really solid. Um, and, uh, Ah hell, let's go and buy a new. Uh, let's go and buy a new one hundred fifty thousand dollars planner. We've done an episode about this before, James. You don't need the newest. Uh, I think at Kelly Garrett's. I think they have a twelve-year-old planter that they use that they just Kelly's. keep uh, yep. re retooling it and and uh, putting the new technology on. So you did that. So that's first off. That's a strategy for success. You spent twenty-five grand instead of one hundred fifty, let's say, but it allowed you to change into variable seeding and there's some folks that this is brand new idea and the idea is you're putting more seed where it needs to be and less seed where it's uh the low spot that uh you know gets water pressure anyhow right yeah yep yeah so like for my corn most guys around here if i had to guess they probably plant like a flat 34,000 35,000 somewhere around there um, my corn i ended up only 31,000 average uh, my low spots were probably 27. My high spots were probably 34. Uh, and two days ago, I was able, I combined about 40 acres the other day, and I was able to go through the low spots, and they were real. They were better than they've ever been, um, just because they weren't so crowded out. Um, like it was, I was shocked. They were really good. So, um, and soybeans, I've been dropping population. Most guys probably plant about a bag an acre, so 140,000. And all the years I've farmed, the last couple, I've done 125, and I've had great yields. And this year, I think we averaged a little over 100,000. So we're anywhere from 80,000 to 140. And you can't tell the difference from the road. And the low pop, they uh, they have a lot more pods on them, which obviously they need to in order to make up. But, yep. you know, there's $25 savings, but then it gives the root growth is really alarming. I mean, even the guy I farm with, he noticed some of my beans look different, and he went and dug out. And, some of them and he's like well those are the biggest roots i've seen in a long time so is it um, because you hang out with evans and kelly or is it an iowa thing that you call roots roots i've always wondered about that uh <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> anyway we call it roots all right so that's pretty cool right there you're saving you said 15 to 20 bucks on soybeans 10 to $12 on your corn acres just by reduction of seed and you didn't reduce it across you did variable rate so that will pay for the planter improvements this year well and I'll get I feel like I'll get increased yields too because yeah. the poor areas will become okay or good areas and uh, the better areas will get better 
but then the efficiency too, like for soybeans, I'm using uh, 75% of the seeds so I can go 25% longer. And everybody knows that's your biggest slowdown in planting is stopping and refilling, especially with high populations. So, well, especially um, also, you're, you're, again, you again, you, you got a kid, but your kid's like an infant. So you don't have somebody out there tending, uh, tending, yeah. uh, you know, your planter. It's you, right? Yep. By the way, do you still do the insurance adjuster on the side then? No, I switched. I'm an agent now. I'm a oh, licensed okay. agent. So, okay. Yep. Um, practices that you've changed besides the planter and variable rate, any other practices you've changed since you um, joined Extreme Ag and now have Evans as, you know, we're going to have Evans a big head because I say good things about yeah, him all the time and you say good <laughs> things about him. I worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, one new avenue I went down with him is using humix, humic acid as a nitrogen stabilizer, which that has worked amazing. Um, it's really reasonable. I mean, it's probably a couple bucks an acre, but it's a lot healthier for the soil than nitrogen stabilizers. Um, so I use that because I use a lot of 32% for my nitrogen source. Um, okay. So I use that. And then I also use this fulvic acids that he recommended every pass. And this is the best weed kill I've had. Most guys aren't saying that, but, um, and it's a low rate. It was like half ounce per acre, which you would think what, what in the world is that going to do? Putting fulvic in, putting fulvic in a herbicide pass, uh, gives, gives better kill. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Cause the full and with my foliars, supposedly the fulvic helps get the nutrients and anything you got into the plant better yep. absorbs better. Yep. So, and I, I run like E3 soybeans. So I just feel like I had, I had, everybody has weeds that get a little taller than you want. And if you don't, you're just not being honest, but um, I felt like I was able to get a, a way better kill. And my foliars, I think I got a lot more bang for my buck with my foliars by using the ful the fulvic acid. So that was a whole new window. James, if you're going to be a smaller scale, um, and, you know, 1,400 acres isn't certainly like uh, 20 acres, but by in this day and age, that's that's mid-sized, right? Um, yeah. Do you ever think I need to experiment with uh, specialty crops? By the way, are you hearing them pounding up there? No, I don't hear it. You're really not hearing them pounding. No, that's fantastic. No. It feels it feels <laughs> like right now my 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 ceiling's gonna come caving in, and you're oh, not even. No, hearing you're it. good. All right. No, nope. go ahead. Oh, by the way, before you do, I want to I'm gonna take a little spot here for a second, uh, and remind our listeners about our friends at Loveland. Um, Weather-induced crop stress, it happens. It could be cold, it could be a cold spring, it could be a wet spring, it could be terribly, terribly hot and dry in the summer. It could be a lot of things. There's, There are tools at your disposal to help mitigate crop stress, such as Terramar. Terramar is an innovative biostimulant technology from Loveland Products designed to help your corn and soybean crops thrive even under stressful conditions. Try Terramar. Terramar, T-E-R-R-A-M-A-R, Terramar, exclusively available from Nutrient Ag Solutions. Okay, so you don't like think, okay, you know what I really need to do? I need to grow organic canola on 80 of these acres to, to step outside of the zone. No, um, I have been dabbling in small grains. Um, we've The guy I farm with, we've raised uh, about 80 acres of rye now twice and had a uh, pretty decent... Um, experience with it um we're kind of looking more for the market because i've been using cover so most of my acres get cover cropped um all my corn stalks that are going to soybeans the following year they'll get rye put down so um you know you can buy rye for 12 to 14 dollars an acre you can raise it for probably 
I don't know, seven, six bucks an acre yeah. and like a 10 acre patch. You know, I need like a 10 acre patch with supply me with all my rye. So I'm kind of looking into finding like some of those corner pieces or places that are hard to get in and out of, maybe put that to rye. And then I have my own source that we'll I don't have to worry about. Yeah. Yep. Um, By the way, you know, Kelly, green. Kelly does that. I think he even did oats. Uh, but, um, and then we, if you, do you do cover crops now? Yeah. Yep. On, on how many acres? Uh, about half. So about six, 700 acres. Yep. Okay. Uh, why don't you do it on all? Well, like we talked before on the last podcast deal, I just wanted to crawl before I run. Yep. I've had really good experience with my soybeans. And I, this year I, I dabbled in cover crop in corn and it actually turned out pretty good, but I'd like to do it again before I really go hard into it. Sure. I agree with your thing. So growing your own, uh, yeah, you'll find somewhere there, that eight acre chunk of ground that nobody wants to fool with that you can use or pick up, you know, fairly inexpensively to grow rye in it and use that for your cover cropping the application of your how do you put on your cover crop uh right now i have a, a friend that's about 10 miles away with a with, he's got a vertical till machine and an air machine and uh, he's able to cover the ground pretty fast uh, my goal is to get one for myself though for next year and start doing some custom cover crop seeding you know you listen to you very long uh james and you realize the power of relationships you're a farmer now because you're a high school friend and you're uh, good to the family. You're uh, crop insurance. You've had uh, exploited relationships. Not, I shouldn't say exploit. Capitalize. Capitalize on them. Exploit would sound like you went out there and like you know shot them and stole their business. You yeah. you, you, you capitalize on. Um, looking ahead, 2024. What are you going to change? What are you going to alter? Let's talk about seed. You already talked about you're doing variable seeding. Uh, variable fertility is that something that you're going to do or you already do yeah well i can't really do right now i strip till um so all my corn ground gets strip tilled but i'm not i'm not capable of doing variable rate on that yet um, but with with evans and extreme ag the big thing i've learned is just the systems approach you know there's not just one thing that you can do and make 100 bucks there's 10 things you got to do to make 10 bucks so um so I've been working with Evans, you know, from start to finish. So he's been doing some sap testing and some Haney testing, which has been really interesting. So next year, my biggest thing I'm going to step up is I bought a set of wide drops this year and I ended up oh. using them a little bit. And uh, I, I originally was going to do 200 acres. Then a friend needed some done and it turned into about 900 acres. And then I did a couple hundred of my own. So I, uh, I definitely got my experience in this year and it went really well. So next year I'm going to be variable rating. Um, my wide drops and nitrogen. I've been lowering my nitrogen rates too. And that's why I got the wide drops. Awesome. Um, so that's, by the way, I think, and there's a big topic that we're going to be covering a lot with extreme ag. It's about re nitrogen reduction. There's environmental pressure on this. There's going to be, I'm convinced there's going to be political pressure on this. There's going to be USDA programs or pressure on this. So whatever you can do, you're already cutting back on nitrogen right now. Yeah, like in the past, I've always run about 160 pounds in total. Um, this year, Evans introduced me to the, that um, source from Sound Ag. Yeah. So I actually, uh, well, I was I didn't plan on cutting it back as much as I did, but the way the numbers worked, I ended up putting about 130 pounds of N down on every acre. And those 40 acres I just combined that were running right at 215. Um, so I, I didn't, nitrogen wasn't my limiting factor, which is true for most people. Um, so that was kind of shocking to be able to cut my nitrogen back that far. So now I plan on doing that again next year, but then do more split application with my pre and a Y drop and maybe like 
what that Johnny did with like banding it over the top. Yeah. I'm kind of looking into maybe getting that too and doing like a three shot pass with nitrogen. This is why we like having you on here because you actually retain in your noggin all the stuff that the extreme ag guys are sharing with you. And by the way, you keep singing Evans's praises. Do you pay him? Well, he he takes a lot of money from me every year. Him and <laughs> him and Wingrove. Man, I was doing my taxes the other day and I hope I get a Christmas card from him. <laughs> well, you know what? Okay, you're talking about integrated ag solutions. So the point is, uh they don't just, it's not like you just back up and load up the truck and then uh, they send you an invoice. Yeah. You, you get the professional advice from them. Um, timing. Is there anything you got wrong on timing in 2023 that you're going to alter? Did you get in too soon? Did you get in too late? Did you miss an application? Uh, did you overapply? Did you do anything wrong in terms of timing and practice? Um, well, for, I guess at the beginning of the year, we waited. I think I, I didn't plant till about my corn. Normally I do beans first. I've had really good luck planting soybeans first, but it was just so cold, wet, yep. cold, wet, warm up. So I didn't do anything till about May 5th. I planted my corn about May 5th to May 9th. And then I turned around for about another week and did my beans. So um, I'm really glad I did my corn late because my plant health this year, um, we have less water than we had last year, and my yields are already about 15 to 20 bushel better than what they were last year. And I mean, I'm still, I'm still, I still have like 19% corn that I was combined the other day, a lot of green leaves on it. Um, but when I planted my soybeans in my cover crop, it was getting pretty dry, and uh, I got lucky. I terminated it. I probably should have, you know, if I had a crystal ball, I would have terminated it probably a week or two sooner. Um, but I got in one inch rain about four or five days after planting, and that kind of saved my bacon. So, um, for next year, I know I need to be, I've just never had this dry a spring before. Granted, I haven't had that many springs, but um, that's something in the back of my mind to just manage moisture. Um, and so I lucked out there. So, but I don't regret planning late, but I mean, there were some days I did, <laughs> but now looking back, I'm glad I didn't. You just said um, you haven't had that many springs. Early. How many years uh, on your own? This is like your fifth? Uh, yeah, about my fifth year. Okay. Yeah. Um Okay, so we're talking about different practices, timing, marketing. Do you get your marketing done right? I mean, do you think, because that's another area, because it's in the business realm. And I got to tell you, I'm not making any judgment. I have a degree in agricultural economics. I still don't know. I had a dream last night that someone was confusing me about puts and calls and all this kind of thing. Uh, it, I would have to hire a consul consultant if I was a farmer on marketing the product. What do you do? Yeah, I... I'm pretty uh pretty green when it comes to calls and puts. And once again, I like to crawl before I run. So I've been getting uh, somewhat semi-lucky with just doing really good cash sales or HTA sales. Um, I I ended up selling probably 30%, 40% of my crop to our local ethanol plant. And that's around that $580 to $6 range for corn while I was sitting in line with my about $8,000 semi surrounded with $100,000 Peterbilt. So I was looking at the price. So I, I sold some, I sold some grain and I'm really happy I did. Um, same with soybeans too. I started growing some seed beans, which helped add value. Um, so I got pretty aggressive this year, but it might be more luck. So that's definitely high on my list next year for next year is to try and find someone good that I can work with and maybe experiment with some of the calls and puts, but I, I do a bad job at that. I just, I, but I got to know my numbers. So if I'm yeah. in the green, I start making sales. I start even a truckload at a time. It's, it's better than just waiting and dumping 20,000 bushels. And hey, you just it. made a crack, James, about your, uh, your, your, shall we say, 
budget conscious uh, semi versus people with their hundred thousand dollars is a twenty twenty four is on your list to upgrade and buy a hundred thousand dollars semi. I I hope not. No, <laughs> no. Uh, speaking of money, what one thing made you money that you will swear by in the last couple of years? One thing you're like, you know, maybe it's a couple of things that you're like, hey, here's something. If you're not doing this, you should. Um, I think long term for like my five years for sure. I think strip till, uh, reduce reducing tillage and strip till. Uh, everybody's afraid of no till beans. Uh, yeah, you know, like Kelly's had on there. You know, the American farmer grows a sexy crop, but it doesn't necessarily make you money. Um, No-till beans are ugly, but when the combine rolls through, they're the same or better, but you save a pile of money. Um, like not to knock people in my area, but everybody around here has huge quad tracks and rippers and field cultivators. Um, so I think reducing tillage, I mean, I, I don't, my biggest tractor is 260 horse. So I save a ton of money. I probably use half the fuel they do. So um, reducing tillage has made me money and made my soil better. Um, just being open-minded to, to try stuff like with cover crops. I know my cover crops have helped. By the way, um, there's another thing. If great grandpa uh, loves running plows and grandpa ran uh, plows and discs and field cultivators. And then daddy ran, uh, you know, do alls and field preppers or whatever the hell they call it. You would say, yep, you can't farm without tilling and you're, you're dead on right. You use half the diesel fuel. What's a gallon of diesel right now? Four bucks, let's call it, right? 380, whatever Please, the hell it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there's four bucks a gallon, and you're, you're beating up your soil. Uh, you know, you talked about Evans. Evans took a picture uh, this early spring, late winter of an entire field that has essentially washed into the ditch. <laughs> and I said, what's interesting is that farmer who tills unnecessarily blames the weather. They don't look at their practices. They think that the reason the field washed away is because we had a wet, a wet spell on frozen ground. Like, no, it, it uh, it's because of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a combination of that stuff. And then like last year was a really big year for going into like reducing nitrogen. Mm -hmm. um, like the humix and fulvix. I mean, there's probably only three to $4 an acre in that stuff. And it's got really good return. I mean, just plant health and all that. And so there's a lot of things and also just trying to figure out how to do stuff your own. I mean, I know new equipment you really can't work on, but like my planner, I was terrified to take all 16 rows off. And I had a good friend that's mechanically inclined. He helped me quite a bit, but it really wasn't that bad, but man, it saved me a lot of money. I mean, I probably spent a month working on it a couple of days a week here and there, but, um, boy, well, I'm, you've got, I, it, you've got time. Me. Yep. You try to, and it's always last minute, it seems like, but you try and start early. And, um, you have a also my you, have, you have a heated shop, James? No. No, so I was out there with gloves this winter in January, February, taking row units off and unplugging stuff. And You have a shop, period? Yeah, I have a shop. I can get out of the wind, which helps. But <laughs> Yeah, and every once in a while, I have a friend that's got a shop I can get into and use a little bit, but... Uh, that, that's on the to-do to list also to get it heated something so i can work on in the winter but a heated shop so that's uh you talked about some strategies and being nimble i think is what we're talking about here uh you're not over equipped and so you're not breaking the bank on that uh you don't have the fancy stuff and then you don't do tillage so you don't have to have tillage equipment and you don't have to have great big tractors i think those are all keys to thriving the neighbors 
they think you're doing it wrong? You know, I I don't want to say yes, but I don't want to say no. <laughs> what about the guy, what about the family and the guy that you that, uh, that helped you get into this situation? Uh, oh. do they do they question your practices or do they applaud your practices? No, I I'm very lucky in that aspect. Uh, the guy I farm with, he's always uh, like to try different things and stuff like that. So we're pretty like minded, um, and he's actually been pretty excited about some extreme ag stuff and kind of taking note of what I've done. And he's cornered Evans before when he's dropping off products, kind of what to do. So I I'm very lucky. I have virtually zero uh, drag when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, that they know what I'm trying to do, what's best for me is what's best for them, vice versa. So oh, I, I'm pretty lucky. Yeah, I'm very lucky. I, I feel for, I have friends that have issues where they have two, three generations ahead of them and they won't let them do anything. So yeah. I, I really feel for guys that way. I like, that's, that's awful. I don't know how to fix that, but. <laughs> well, it's an encumbrance uh, because, you know, they feel like, well, since I don't control, again, we talk about the capital, I don't control the capital. Um, so I can't go against the grain here because then all of a sudden the capital dries up or I'm, I'm, you know, I don't get the farming. So that's very fortunate. All right. Get me out of here, James Hep. Um, what excites you about 2024? What excites you about the future? What, uh, what thing do you want to share, uh, on until we meet again? Uh, boy, I, I'm pretty excited and optimistic about everything. We have a lot of trials we did this year. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what the combine says. And then uh, meet with Evans and some of the extreme ag guys this winter in the off season and share swap war stories, so to speak, and see what worked, what didn't work, and build on it. Um, the amount of ground I've gained this year, I've even myself, I was pretty surprised and shocked with. Um, I, I definitely know I'm in the right direction. So, and, and this group's really helped me. So, um, there's just a lot, a lot of products I use that I've seen a lot of value to, and I've. Yeah had seen videos from you guys saying the same thing so i know it's not just a coincidence so that's nice but. there you go by the way the soil that you're uh that you're continue to operate on can you see in the five years can you see improvements i mean yields are improving because your practices are getting better and some of the stuff you're doing do you, does the do you see it in the dirt too oh i've seen improvements already um this spring we had some of those rains when the ground was kind of half froze and not and i have one field that's lower than the other three around it and we had probably an inch of rain and uh, the, all my neighbors, they had standing water and puddles on them. And my field that had the rye, there was no puddles. So that kind of, so, I mean, I knew it was in the right direction, but sometimes yeah. you got to see it. So yeah. my water infiltration has increased a big time. And that was the first time that field been cover crop. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like you got to do it for 10 years to see results. Yeah. That's the thing. Everybody would say, well, you know, that's going to take a hundred years. I'll be dead by then. You, you improved water infiltration and porosity um mm -hmm. in just by not packing it down and doing cover crops yeah well and just goes back to the roi too like with my cover crops say i spend 20 bucks on it i skip my pre my pre-pass and any residual so the way i look at it i break even i spend the same I, what i spend in cover crop i would have spent in chemicals but the cover crop works better and then some of these cost share programs really help too so um yeah. And then you got countless things you can't see under the soil, earthworms and water infiltration. You can't put a dollar amount on that stuff. We're so. going to do an episode someday just on cover crops, all about cover crops, how to do it, how to get started, et cetera. We'll bring you on as one of the guests. But, but while we are on that topic real briefly, you just said cost share. So the person listening to this probably says, wait a minute, what's he talking about? So my area, if you're familiar with Iowa, they had the, the nitrogen in the water lawsuit down in Des Moines. 
Uh, and my county was part of it. So, and I'm in the Raccoon River Valley Shed. So like my county, they really stepped up. Um, you can get $25 an acre uh, through the county for cover crops. And then if you join like the PFI or some practical farmers, Iowa, you can get another like 10 or 12 bucks, I think it is. So potentially you can get 35 bucks. And I think with that guy doing my custom and the seeding, I'm going to be about 25, 26 bucks an acre. So you could, you could very well put a cover crop in for basically free almost, and then reap all the benefits from it. So why not? There's a lot, a lot of neat things out there. Every state's different, but I think every state's stepping up their program though. Yeah. That's yeah, all right. Well, all right. So you'll come back sometime and we'll do an episode only on sure. cover crops. We'll bring on a few different people, methods, practices, how to do it, how to do it right, et cetera. But in the meantime, I wanted to do a member spotlight on you, which isn't the first time because you've been on before, but I like it because you always have new ideas and all of that. So I think the, uh, uh, the idea that you're, that you are uh, always trying new things is, uh, and we're going to share this with Evans because you just basically like sung his praises. Can we edit it or something and put somebody <laughs> else? <in? laughs> his name's James Hep. What's the town in Iowa again? Uh, Rockwell City. First generation farmer, extreme ag member on the member spotlight. Thanks for being here, buddy. Yep. Thanks, Damien. Till next time, I'm Dan Mason, and this is the Extreme Ag Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.Farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.